another episode of Draw Near. This week is going to be a little bit different, as you can probably guess by my voice uh, leading in the episode rather than Kara. But uh, as we mentioned in a previous episode, uh, summer gets very full for us uh, with, with work and family things and whatnot. So we are doing a series of shorties this summer to uh, make up for that. So the good news is we're going to be posting new content every week. Uh, so, But some weeks you'll have Kara, some weeks you'll have me, and then some weeks we'll be back together for a full episode of Draw Near. So the bad news, um, you're going to have to wait to hear the good news, the part two of last week, uh, or last episode on the four last things. We did the death and the judgment, uh, but you're going to have to wait to hear the good news, part two, uh, that will be coming up soon. What is this episode? What are we doing? What is this shorty that I'm going to be sharing with you today? We're going to be talking about the Our Father, and we're going to be doing a whole series uh, of segments on the Our Father over the summer. So this week, we're actually just going to focus on the Our Father itself, a little bit of a background on the Our Father, but also diving into why is it important, what's significant about it, and then we're going to look at one line in the Our Father right at the beginning. What does it teach teach us. I think this is an important topic. The Our Father is something I'm, I've, I've taught on a lot. I'm actually pretty passionate about this particular topic. For one reason, I've seen the profound impact that relying on this prayer and praying this prayer has had in my own life and the fruit it has borne. And I'm really bad at not sharing spoilers, so I'm going to make you wait for the answer <laughs> on that in an upcoming episode. But um, it has had a profound effect on me. And so I want to share that with you all. I, my hope is that it will help you grow in faith such that praying the Our Father will be a new experience for you. So what's unique? What's special about the Our Father? Why is it important? All those sorts of things. That's what we're going to start with here. I think we have to look at Jesus himself, Jesus teaching us to pray in Scripture we see this in numerous scripture. I'm just, I'm just going to highlight a couple here. But in Matthew 7, he says to us, Ask and it will be given to you. In Mark eleven twenty four, he says, All that you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive and it shall be yours. In John sixteen twenty four, he says, Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Now there's numerous scriptures we could point to of instances where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Jesus is teaching us the right spirit of prayer, if you will. But here in the Our Father, we find the first instance in which he explicitly gives us a prayer. He gives us the words himself, a prescription in some ways. We see in the prayer that Jesus gives us not just a model, not just a formula, but also a way to live the Christian life in the form of a prayer. So that's kind of one of the things I want you to take away from this series is that in the Our Father, the Lord is also teaching us. He's showing us how to live the Christian life in the form of prayer. He's teaching us to pray, but he's also teaching us in the prayer. And this is kind of what St. Thomas Aquinas is getting at as well. St. Thomas Aquinas says the Our Father is the most perfect prayer. Now, why does he say it's the most perfect prayer? Well, for one thing, again, Jesus gave it to us. But also... In the Our Father, St. Thomas Aquinas says he, he's teaching us to ask for things, yes, but he's teaching us to ask for things in the right order. We see 
that order and the two sets of petitions that actually are framed in the Our Father, which I'll talk about on the next episode. But in the Our Father, Jesus is teaching us how to direct our hearts and how to direct our desires. He's teaching us the right order in the way we pray, in the things we ask for. So what do we start with when we pray the Our Father? We start with first things first. We start with giving glory to God, praise for who He is, not just for what He does for us, but praise and glory for who He is. I think that's important because due to our, our, our fallen human nature, we all wrestle with the tendency to treat God as if our prayers were some sort of divine vending machine. You know, we, we stop by every once in a while, we pop the coin of our prayer in to get what we want, and we move on. I think that's just part of our fallen human nature, and I, and I know I've wrestled with that. But in the Our Father, he's teaching us first things first. The Our Father is addressing this head-on. It helps us to put those first things first. He's teaching us to orient our prayers. He's teaching us to orient our lives. We give glory to God first. As the scripture tells us, he must increase, I must decrease. Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom and all other things will be added to you. Tertullian, an early church father, he referred to the Our Father as a summary of the whole gospel. A summary of the whole gospel. And he said it presents the gospel in the form of prayer. So what is the gospel message? The gospel message is something that should always be fresh on our minds, always deep in our hearts. It's the story of our salvation. It's the story of God's great love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Pope Francis says it this way, Jesus Christ loves you. He gave his life to save you. Now he's living at your side every day to enlighten you, strengthen you, and free you. If you think about what we pray, when we pray the Our Father, it's save us, feed us, forgive us, deliver us. We're praying the gospel message. We're praying the story of God's great love for us. We're praying the gospel. Another important point with the Our Father is in this prayer, we find more than just a prayer. We find a path that leads directly into the heart of the Father. And we address him as such. Jesus brings us into the Father's presence. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is in a very unique position and relationship to bring us into communion with him. Because of this, we can say, Father, in a meaningful way, because Christ has revealed him to us. And the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk more about here in a moment, makes him known to us, reveals the Father to us. Learning how to pray from, the, from Jesus in the Our Father means entering into that same boundless trust, the confidence and love that exists between the Father and the Son. We are joining Jesus and praying those words, and in doing so, we're being led by Jesus, again, step by step into the heart of the Father. When we pray the Our Father, Father, the relationship between the Father and the Son is such that the good Father always hears those prayers, and he hears those words as if it's Christ himself. This is incredible to think about, but as if it's Christ himself praying those words. 
It's Christ's words on our lips, and in the ear of the Father, they sound like his voice. And in that process, we're invited to enter into a deeper relationship with the Father, with a sense of awe and wonder, always, which we'll talk more about again in a moment. And with that, in the life of the church, in becoming children of the Father, it's the Holy Spirit through the sacraments of the life of the church that makes us children of the Father and awakens in us a desire to be his children. And we see that as well in those words, our Father. It's an interesting thing. Every Mass, and as long as I've been Catholic, this has always stood out to me because I thought it was an interesting choice of words. But right before we pray the Our Father at every Mass, we hear the priest say, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say. It's we dare to say. What's daring about that? What's daring about praying the Our Father? Does it feel daring? Does it feel like we're being courageous in that moment or anything like that? What does it mean to call him Father? And why do we dare to say? Well, first, for the answer, let's take a step back and look at it. What's the context? When we find the Our Father, the disciples come to him, come to Jesus, and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. It's important to note that like Jewish men of the time, they knew how to pray. They were well-versed in Jewish prayer. But they recognized there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. There was something different about Jesus, right? And how does he begin that prayer? He begins, of course, with the words, Our Father. But in the original language, the word he uses is Abba, which would be our equivalent of Daddy. And every father knows something altogether special, altogether beautiful, altogether intimate about those words, daddy. I have four girls, three are old enough to talk, and when I hear those words, daddy, there's nothing that moves my heart quite like that. But in the time of Jesus, referring to God, or even gods in this way, would seem very out of the ordinary, right? For the pagans, the gods were often seen as immoral, angry, vengeful, spiteful beings that you made sacrifices to in order to keep their wrath at bay. For the Jews of the time, although communion with God and and reverence toward him was present, it was a part of the culture, but it wasn't intimate and personal in this sort of way. There was a, a little bit of a distance. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for example. That's very different than referring to him in a way such as daddy. That was daring. That's daring. To speak into that, refer to God that way is daring. But really for us, in our world today, it's not much different. In a world where so many have lost faith, where so many do not believe in God, where so many who profess the Christian faith but do not believe that a personal relationship with God is something that's even possible. It's daring. It's daring. To think of the creator of all the universe. I love the Hubble Space Telescope photographs. They always just really move my heart to see the wonder of God's creation. To think that the person that did all of that in a way as intimate as daddy is overwhelming. Perhaps this is what we're reminded of in in Hebrews 4.16. With confidence, 
draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. Christ is making it clear to us in the Our Father, in giving us the Our Father, in teaching us in the Our Father. He's making clear to us that it is the Father's will for us to have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with us. He never stops being a good and loving Father and always wants that kind of loving relationship with us. But there's more. What about that word, our? Because this also expresses something new. And in a world so divided, then and now, I think it's just as daring. You see, our Father, we see in those words, the church is a multitude of brothers and sisters, united with one head and one mind, one heart. The Holy Spirit is the soul of the church uniting us. In the waters of baptism, we are united. In receiving communion, having the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ within us, we are united. In the communion of saints, we are united. Catholic means universal, everyone, everywhere, for all time. When we pray the Our Father, we are never really alone. Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. That's part of the beauty of the Catholic faith, of the Christian faith in general. We are never alone. Our Father reminds us of our calling to be one heart, to be one mind, to be one church, to love one another as He has loved us as brothers and sisters, children of the Father.